0: we're live welcome back pop culture theologians i'm so glad you joined us uh, me because i'm still speaking in the royal we at the moment because i'm missing my main girl marcy um i'm so excited you're here with us um to talk about his dark materials episode three the spies it was quite the episode so we're in for a lot of treats um A little bit before we get going you know this is the pop culture theologians marcy and myself although you just have me john right now Um, we're two academics who worship at the altar of pop culture and break down all of your favorite shows with theological gender class or whatever lens we're (laughs) looking at through uh, that current point in time so we're so excited you stumbled upon our podcast or a subscriber make sure you go on leave a review, like, and share us. I mean, that's how you get the good news out, right? So also make sure you're going over and subscribing to our social media on Facebook and Twitter. At Pop Theologians, we live tweet our shows. We are always out there being sassy and doing a good gift because who doesn't love a good gift? We need it these days, right? You can also follow me on social media at J Erickson85. And because I'm missing my girl Marcy today, you can also give her a shout out at I Am the Men Who Can. And for those of you that don't know what that means, that's a line to the best movie ever made, Wonder Woman so we are so excited you're here with us there is so much to discuss on this show which is just continuing to build this beautiful insane and crazy world of dust demons catholics who are called magisteriums i mean like we're gonna get into it but you know we've got a lot to discuss but before we get into that um every week if you've joined us in the past we've talked about the what what the fucks of the week right where we kind of break down some news programming and the crazy current situation that we find ourselves in in the world well because of the nature of the show we um, are offering you some amazing young adult literature or children's books that you can read based off of the current material we're working on so We are coming at you this week with a recommendation that if you haven't read the entire series of Lewis Carroll's um, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, they're incredible. And I think that they really apply to the world building and just how far down this rabbit hole we're really going to go, um, actually, to his dark materials and the worlds of the magisterium dust glass i mean everything that we have going on right now so that's one of my favorite books and i know to all my english scholar nerd friends out there we all understand lewis carroll was probably a pedophile so we gotta admit that and we have to understand the reasons why because it's not okay But those books are incredible and have inspired a lot of people. And like with a lot of the tropes in young adult literature, they also um, take away the parents so the children can get into some mischief. So if you're a Lewis Carroll scholar out there, leave us a comment or tweet us or talk to us a little bit more because uh, Lewis Carroll was a creepy old man. But that doesn't mean Alice or her craziness in Wonderland isn't something that we want to talk about. because. I remember reading those books as a child and just fell in love with them. So, um, with that being said, I hope you're all ready um, because we've got a lot to talk about. The Spies is an incredible episode and it's time to get back into the world of dust. So, when we last left um, Pan and Lyra in the last episode, they were kidnapped by the Gobblers um, while after escaping Mrs. Coulter's house after learning she was a fucking psycho. So um, they are rescued by the Egyptians um, by Tony and Benjamin, who then bring them back to the Egyptians' camp. I mean, I know we all thought that Lyra was a goner. Not really, because she's the main character and, like, well, she's just going to be gobbled up, like, let's be real here. But... This brings her back to some of the central stories that she's going to start to form by being a part of the Egyptians community. And so Tony and Benjamin really are integral to making sure that she's safe and making sure her and Pan get away from the gobblers. However, um, I'm sure if she was still gobbled up, she would have found Billy and Roger because I'm pretty sure they hadn't moved the children yet. But, you know, here we are and understanding that she's on her quest to find Roger but she finds Egyptians who are looking for Billy so she is taken to the Egyptians camp and she is taken in by Ma Costa and she reluctantly agrees to stay with the Egyptians for now because she doesn't know of any other place to go because she doesn't live in this world of London that she's currently finding herself in she's scared she's alone you could tell in the last episode she was cold and afraid but the Egyptians and her have a common purpose to find the children that are being gobbled up and so she is out there and she is going to stay with them to find roger and the other missing children and ma costa is needing a little bit of someone to care for and we're going to get back to the reveal with her later on in the episode but what really comes to understand is that Lyra starts to understand who she can actually trust in this episode because she's been lied to by quite a few people. But after that, we get back to our HBIC in charge, um, Mrs. Coulter, and she is uh, mad with a capital M because she wants Lyra back. But what does she do? She goes to Jordan College in search of Lyra and just tears the place apart As a fellow book nerd and book lover, I was completely distraught to see them making such messes of the books, ripping open the pages. You would wonder if the scholars at Jordan College have like fake books, or something like that, that like they keep in the shelves if, if to make sure that the magisterium can't come and rip everything away and take it all down. But who knows, right? But. Mrs. Coulter comes and asks the head of Jordan College if he knows where Lyra is. And he's like, hey, girl, like, I left her with you. Like, it's not my fault you didn't, like, find my friends, her on, like, her cell phone or something like that. So you can find her and Tracker." And Mrs. Coulter is pissed. But she does learn, as a result, that the scholars at Jordan College gave her an alethiometer. And she further understands that Lyra's purpose in this story is gaining more significance. She's almost in tuned to more than the magisterium and knowing the purpose of Lyra because she's always one step ahead of the magisterium because that's how she keeps her power over them. So she's really upset and storms out and tears that place apart. And I'm just so glad I wasn't there to have to like, figure out how to clean up everything after that because like that's a mess I wouldn't want to touch but well um, we then kind of understand that Lyra's role within Mrs. Coulter's life is really important and and the only way in which I can describe this is we get a really like Forrest Gump like Jenny-esque walking on the ledge to like that whatever that crazy 60s or 70s song is um, and Lyra's like shirt and everything are light out on the ledge and like her demon monkey is like sitting there going like this woman's like effing crazy like she's clearly drunk she's walking on a ledge and she doesn't know what's going on but she's so upset that she needs to find lyra that she uses two robotic things called spy flies to track her down and spy flies are forbidden within the world because apparently they're like Souls or something like trapped inside them, and their one purpose is to find the people that they're searching for. But that's why she has the clothes laid out. So, whatever. But, like, her total like Forrest Gump scene here is a little creepy. But I'm here for all the like drunk fabulousness, like that Ruth Wilson is giving me with Mrs. Coulter. So, I'm gonna let it just play out at this point. um We then go to our homeboy Boreal, who crosses back to the alternate earth and meets with his contact Thomas. Who informs him that Grumman, or as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, uh, Hot Priest, is actually is actually from his Earth and is really named John Perry. And so, in the world of Earth, he's completely gone by a different name, different understanding of who he is, and had a different identity. And that ultimately, um, John Perry crossed over into Boreal's world and has made the discoveries there that they're trying to figure out where the crossover is. Um, you know, the world building that we're getting into here is really key because of what they're showing is something that we don't really see until later parts of the books and how their world, Lyra's world, and ours really interacts. Um, And Boreal is kind of leading us through this narrative because he believes this to be impossible because Perry has a demon. So how is Perry, John Perry or hot priest able to have a demon if he actually came from the other side, our world and, it doesn't make any sense and something that we're going to get into a little bit more as we get deeper and deeper into this mythology. However, um, Boreal spy, Thomas, then lets him know that Hot Priest actually has a wife, no, it's not Fleabag, Um, and a child on earth, um, our world, and So Boreal hires another man to find them because he needs to track down what he was up to over there because it's obviously connected to the work that Azrael is doing in the north, as well as the power that the Magisterium is losing because of the ways in which this was all able to occur under their nose in some way, shape, or form. What ultimately ends up happening, though, is that we're going to really see is that this whole series is based on how power is taken from institutions and what they're doing in, and what they're willing to go to at what ends to keep it. And Boreal's kind of like that hitman that they're trying to employ um, to make sure that it doesn't get out. Kind of like keeping a scandal, you know under wraps um, not that we know of any major religious institutions that have kept scandals under wraps um, and it hasn't come out ever right right that's a little segue into the ways in which the catholic church is clearly a metaphor for the magisterium here and the ways in which they're keeping these secrets or the abuse of children or the children's scandal with pedophile priests that have gone on for years and how they've tried to keep that power and that secret. Because once you lose that power, you lose the ways in which you're viewed in the world. So we're going to continue to see Boreal struggle with this. Um, But then we get to the crux of this episode and we learn that um, the magisterium is looking for Lyra because they're being commanded by Mrs. Coulter and that she is then found, not found, but the Egyptians on the rivers are boarded by the magisterium and they're wondering how can this be possible. Apparently there's laws that say it's like open seas where the magisterium have no control over them. They clearly have no regard for any type of power, but the magisterium raid the Egyptians' boats and Ma Costa is able to hide lyra in a really good place and she's not found but then lyra confronts Macosta, um, who ultimately reveals that like in the last episode where mrs coulter told lyra that Azrael was her father and the fact that she seemed a little mad about that and knew a little bit too much ma Costa also reveals that mrs coulter is lyra's mother and that Lyra was conceived through an affair between her and Azrael, who then killed Mrs. Coulter's husband in a fight to hide Lyra at Jordan College to keep her safe. Because, as a result of the type of religious-based laws that are in within this universe, it's kind of like an eye for an eye, and that as a result of having an affair with mrs coulter the man was allowed to get even for what's his because women are clearly property um in this universe but he ends up killing mrs coulter's husband and then as a result needs to take Lyra someplace safe, which is why we saw at the beginning of the series why he ultimately gives Lyra to the scholars of Jordan and claims academic sanctuary because he knows how important she actually is to the overall scheme of things, but also how important she may be to the overall relationship between Azrael and Mrs. Coulter. And clearly he's not leaving her with Mrs. Coulter because she's a little off the rocker, if you know what I mean. But That's the real thing about these reveals that are coming in. And like with Asriel being her father, and as many book readers know, that these little nuggets are being interwoven into a larger story now to draw this narrative closer together to kind of show these strange family dynamics so that way when they're talking to each other it's not just that they're talking to each other in the ways in which two strangers talk to each other it's that they're talking to each other in this complicated family dynamic that their relationships mean so much more than just being strangers that as and mrs Coulter dated it's actually that they were in love most likely or had an affair conceived a child she lost a child because he took it from her all the things that make the reasons why mrs Coulter might be who she is at the moment or why she was in the last episode trying to make lyra so much like herself um those are the things that really help build into why we really want to care about these characters. And it's, and it's really working because this scene that we have with Macosta and Lyra is truly beautiful because we also learn that Macosta was the midwife or the nanny that took care of Lyra and hid her when all the stuff went down with Azriel, Mrs. Coulter and her now um, formerly, dis- her, her, deceased um, ex-husband so we see the connection to why lyra actually needs to trust the Egyptians because they actually really care about her and have her best interests at stake um i really found this scene so touching because lyra this is only the third episode but lyra's growing up lyra is getting older right before her eyes but she's becoming so steadfast in what she wants, um, what she thinks she wants, but also she's becoming almost that alethiometer that she doesn't need to use it, um, or she's getting better at using it because she's able to understand that the truth is something that is being constructed around her, or something that she was told, maybe, but turns out to be a lie, so she has to reconstruct the truth for her own. I'm just obsessed with it because we see the relationship grow with Makosta as a result of that interaction and ultimately the love and trust that she starts to define for herself to decide who she actually wants to believe in and have in her life and it's not this old life anymore that Lyra has it's this life that she's chosen through these crazy adventures of having to break away through the world of jordan um you know traveling down the river and being with egyptians so lyra decides to trust the egyptians and helps john fa to convince them to go north to find the captive children because you know they all need and have a common purpose here and they're ultimately all trying to figure out the ways in which they can get back their children Uh, ma costa can get billy back and then Lyra can get Roger back, because Roger, at the end of the day, while Azriel and Mrs. Coulter are saying they're her quote-unquote family, um, they're not. Roger's her family. Jordan College is the place where she found her family. And that's the part of community that is coming together. We see these communities and how they're kind of forced together either by allegiances like the magisterium that's not a chosen community those are communities where they're together through dogmatic practices or to keep power and structure together but the Egyptians are a form of community that are there with each other because they want to be with each other because they understand that they're stronger together that was always something within the books as well as something that within the show i really appreciate them doing so beautifully beautifully and eloquently because of the ways in which community is so important to the study of religion as something that we see here with how the power of the magisterium has, you know, it's not really a, a, an empowering community. It's more there to keep purpose, order, and, you know, the will of the people at their bay. But with Egyptians, they're there to form community, to bring people into their, into their circle for empowering them and ultimately for this common purpose of rescuing the children right now, which is number one and key to the work that they're trying to do. So we then are starting to understand about how really evil Mrs. Coulter is and how kind of unhinged she also is. And so Tony, two Egyptians, Tony and Benjamin, um, go to mrs coulter's apartment in search of the information that lyra told them about with her being the head of the um the gobblers and the general oblation board and they're looking for the document documents that she kept in her in her study and what happens is is we understand that mrs coulter then is found out um and it's true that everything lyra was saying you know it was hard for them to believe her but then we find out it's true um And at the same time, we understand that Lyra knows something has happened to Benjamin because she can read the alethiometer, and these scenes kind of are parallel, but Benjamin is ultimately killed by Mrs. Coulter, um, and he decides that he's not going to give up his friends, his community, um, even though she wants to. This is something that Mrs. Coulter and that scene truly is shocked by. She is constantly able to get what she wants because she's always tries to be one step ahead of people. Well, this robbery and everything might have taken her off guard. I mean, that pistol or whatever she had in her house, like, there's definitely something she has for like a rainy day because one, it's fabulously like in car engraved and everything that's going in there. But when it comes to the work that Benjamin does and the work that tony does to really bring out the truth mrs coulter is shocked by it because she can't allow that to get out but she's almost going to say that she's going to hurt his demon and that if he doesn't tell her everything she wants you know everyone is screwed and he's able to get away from her um and as a result he makes the ultimate sacrifice by killing himself um, and this a poor little demon. I always get sad when demons die. I don't care if they're good or bad. I get really sad. But, um, and he doesn't give up his community and Tony escapes because he was able to get out of the window and run run away as Benjamin really kept Mrs. Coulter at bay and he feels really bad about it. Um, and I know like, I don't know for some of you, but my reaction to animals lately, um, kind of being hurt or like the demons in the scene are really kind of hard to watch because they're becoming like characters that we're bonding with. So we're not only bonding with these main characters like Lyra, we're also bonding with their demons. It's kind of the same thing with Mrs. Coulter and her demon monkey. That demon monkey seems to love her like so much. And like when she's really mean to it, it's crazy. But... I don't know if any of you caught this, but the likeliness of her demon being a monkey is something that I think really was shown so well during this fight scene with her and Benjamin because she fights him almost perched down like a monkey, walking on four legs, um, all four of her, like her two arms and her legs. She's walking on all of her appendages and kind of hitting him like the monkey would and how her monkey walks. And so it just made sense because when. Everyone else in the world in which we've seen doesn't have a unique type of demon, but hers being a monkey is something really fascinating, and it's embodied within her actions here. And so the ways in which they choreograph that scene are something that I found really, really, really fascinating, because... It was just so cool to watch. The show is doing such a great job of like building in these little like tidbits for readers or things that readers might have always learned a little bit more about through the books or like inferred for themselves. So it's really interesting to see how the importance of demons and what they really mean for the actual soul of the person they're supposed to represent um you know marcy and i joked you know about our soul, our demons and who they would be mine is a rabbit because i'm always running around going like crazy i actually really like carrots but that has nothing to do with it but i had to think about a rabbit right but then ultimately hers being that evil goat from that movie she really likes or whatever like you Know who these demons are really represent the soul of the person they're coming from, so it's really fascinating to kind of see how they start to form and when the demons finally take their final shape. And also, Pan is just like absolutely adorable, so that's why when something happens to Pan, um, or any of the other demons, like you really understand like the disconnect because it's almost like you're losing your best friend. Um, and the demon monkey still isn't talking, and it's still really creepy, by the way. Um, but as a result of this episode and everything that went down, Lyra really discovers that she intuitively knows how to read the alethiometer. And before that occurs, um, those evil little spy fly things attack her and Pan on the boat. And they're really dangerous because they're going to let the magisterium, who they just escaped, um, know where they are and what they're up to and thankfully Fardar Corum is able to capture one but the other escapes um and returns to mrs coulter and informs her of Lyra's location and she's able to have this like sense of relief that she finally found where Lyra was and what that actually means for her it was a little weird because it was like she's just been sitting there on that ledge waiting (laughs) to understand but you know I just picture her sitting out there waiting but no she's in like this fabulous like green dress like she's in every outfit I want and need like Ruth Wilson is like just living and like eating up this role because those are some outfits and some scenery that she can just like blend into and she's an incredible actress like let alone so the ways in which she's able to like just chew up this like over the top campy type scenery is something i'm here for like 100 percent but You know, she's just there lazing about on her couch um, and she finds out that she's found Lyra and she is so excited. And that's the end of the episode. And we're wondering really what's going to happen next because... Um, everything um, that we've been really kind of waiting for within this world. Um, If you're a book reader, if you've kind of been following it along um, and haven't read the books, you know that we're really coming to a turning point in this series. Not only that we're halfway through because it's only an 8 uh episode uh series right now for season one but two major characters are going to be finally introduced um yorick burnison and lee scoresby and his amazing demon hester who if you've watched the movie her her like western like country accent is just hysterical but um two major characters that are going to be playing a really important role in how this world is built um lyra's development and ultimately the resistance that is forming against the magisterium um, are needed they need them for all of the stuff that they're going to do so you know we are really coming to a way in which you know in the next episode um, we're going to have lions tigers and bears oh my my favorite coca-cola bear York Bernison. Um, but the relationship between york and lyra is something that is so special to book readers it's so special to the books because of the subplot that that not only brings out but the ways in which he's able to serve as a catalyst for so much as well as the role that lee will play within everyone's life and fight it's just so exciting so um if you haven't yet, you know, please make sure you're subscribed, like us on Facebook and Twitter. Shout out, at, shout out at us. You know, do all the amazing things. Send us your favorite GIF. You know, there's been so much great social media around Lin-Manuel Miranda, who plays Lee Scoresby, um, coming on onto the series because it's being so well done. So, you know, he's only going to bring it up so many notches and do all the amazing things that he does. Um, But we really hope that you are enjoying His Dark Materials. It's fabulous. They're already filming season two. Um, If you know where the book ends at the end of book one, We're in for some dark materials um, in the coming weeks. But nevertheless, we're going to be here taking down every notch, uh, everything that we can do that is just fabulous, like Mrs. Coulter's outfits. She's got the best hat in this next episode. So we're here for it and we can't wait to break it down with you. So we'll see you next week.